0: Um, psalm 139. The beginning of it was things that God, that God knows what's going on, and we're going to try to finish Psalm 139 today. There's a lot more to this wonderful psalm. It's one of my very favorite psalms, as I think I mentioned last week. And we, I want to start really in verse six. Verse six of Psalm 139 says this: "Such knowledge is too wonderful for me; it is high, I cannot attain it." He's talking about the fact that's right, kind of in the kind of the crux of the whole chapter. We can't really understand how much God knows. It's way beyond our, our, our ability to think because we don't think like God thinks. God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts and as high as the heaven is above the earth, God's thoughts are above our thoughts. So God knows and it, we really can't comprehend it. I like this word wonder. I wish I could learn more about this word wonder because it, it's a fantastic word. The old German word there was... Um, was wonder. It's a, it's a, it, 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 def, it defines, it's a marvelous things. It's something that just astounds us. It's something that makes us kind of walk around just, it, God's wonder really ought to make us gobsmacked. It ought to be that shocking, that surprising to us that we're just overwhelmed by the goodness and the awe of God. I, I, I heard a podcast one time about the origin of the word jaywalker. And that's it, kind of what this. What Jay Walker was, first of all, somebody who came from the country, a culture, in other words, came into the city, and they were called, they, and they were they were Jay Walkers because, and what then there was kind of a description. The word Jay didn't have to do with the blue Jay. It was more of an old word for an old Dutch word, I think, for this idea of wonder, and the notion was that they're walking around just. You ever, you know, what I remember the first time. Um, I remember when I was, the first time I was in Dublin Castle, okay. We'd been on the Dublin castle tour and they took us down underneath the castle to the vaults where the very first foundation stones of the castle had been laid. And Mary can tell you, we had a good friend, a new friend at that time, a very good friend. He said, Roger, pick up your jaw. I literally, I must have been standing there slack jawed when I realized right in front of me were stones that somebody laid a thousand years ago. Then we went to Newgrange and I saw stones that had been laid 5,000 years ago. And I love history. And I I was awed. Part of our problem sometimes, guys, is that we lose our awe of God. We don't realize who God is. And we lose our awe. And I'm going to start crying because I'm enjoying preaching this so much to you guys. And I miss this so badly. Um, so I've got to Control my control my tears here a bit. This is an amazing time. Kind of like it I feel now, being overawed that we're able to be here. We ought to be walking through life amazed at what God does. Not surprised, but amazed. We ought to say, God met that need. God took care of this. God took care of that. And that awe ought to overwhelm us. The thought about God and who He is, the fact that He knows, is awe-inspiring. I don't even like really the whole, the word awesome being used. When I was younger, awesome became kind of a, um, what a word that just kind of meant, really cool or something. And it kind of cheapened the word awesome. Because awesome means that the old part of the word some means we were overwhelmed with awe for God. But the second thing God talks about, not only does God know, but God is there. Verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 139, um, where can I go from Your Spirit, and where can I flee from Your presence? If I go to heaven, You're there. I make my bed in hell; behold, You're You're You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and, and 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 dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there Your hand shall lead me, and Your right hand shall guide me. If I say, Surely the darkness is going to fall on me, even the night shall be like even the night will be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from You. But the night shines as the day. Your darkness and the light are both alike to you. Alright, before I go any further, is anybody getting too warm? We actually have air conditioning. Air on, air off. Go pump it up. I'll just turn back on, Jay. If you would. Alright, it's a little bit too warm up here anyway. There is nowhere we can go where God is not. God is Everywhere. Wherever I am, I fill but a tiny bit of space, but God fills all space. And the, and the psalmist here is really overwhelmed by this concept of who God is and, and that He's everywhere. There's no place I can flee from. He uses the ultimate illustration. He says, even if I, could go to, if I could go up to heaven, God would be there. Even if I went down to the depths of hell, God was there. Every place we go, God is always there by our side. And that ought to be the most encouraging thing to us. So he goes on and he, you can tell you can tell David is David, the way he writes. Um, I can't go any place. I can't travel away from God. It's kind of like he's talking about flying on an airplane. The next verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, no matter where I travel, no matter how far I go on the plane... God is still there. Now even if I get on a boat and I sail across the ocean, God's there. Every step of the way. We can't be in a place that God where God is not going to be there with us. Where can I go from your spirit? Uh I go yeah, at this time the verse right. Where can I go from my spirit? Where can I go from your presence? See, I can't go heaven hell, I get on an airplane and fly away, I get on a boat and sail away. God is always going to be there. Then we can, verse 10 through 12, talks about um, what it means that God is there with us. Verse 10, Even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, so, uh, no matter where we go, God says, I'm not going to let go of you. I I, I, I don't like to be alone, okay? I'm not a loner. Um, I think I'm kind of like AJ. We don't like to be alone, do we? I'd rather, probably AJ said one time, his biggest fear was being alone. And I can kind of understand that. I like being with people. And God says, you know what? Even when you think you're all alone, God says, I'm still there. I'm right there in your presence. And you can find examples of that all through the Old and New Testament. God says, I'll take you by the right hand. I'll lead you. I'll pick you up. I'll hold you. I'll carry you through. God is always leading us by His right hand. We can't get away from God. It's impossible. He's always going to be wherever we go. And we have the great joy and the blessing of knowing that we cannot get away from God. You know, I, 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 I think of this figurative. I think about it physically. But it's also figurative. No matter where I go in my thoughts, whether I'm on top of a mountain, whether I'm in the pit of the valley, God is there with me. It's easy, isn't it? Easy to sense God when things go well. I mean, right now for me, this is a huge emotional and spiritual high. Doing what I love doing more than anything else with all of my friends out there. It's a tremendous. It's easy right now to know God's here. But how about those Sunday mornings I sat at my kitchen table and preached the messages to myself and Mary and Owen. I I have to tell you, that was not my cup of tea. I'm grateful for the technology. I really am. I'm glad we were able to stay in touch. I'm glad we were still able to be taught from God's Word. But (coughs) after the first seven or eight weeks, I think we went 15 weeks out of church, 14, 15 weeks out of church, And it got old. But you know what? God was there with us. And as I prayed, and as I preached those messages into that camera, I trusted that God would be there and that God would use His Word in the hearts of people. And apparently from the comments, God did use His Word in the hearts of people because God is there. I read a prayer letter from a missionary in the rural Philippines. Philippines, Yeah? Not Manila, but some rural village in the Philippines, and his province has been severely affected. Um, they can't even get mail to and from the states. They're an American missionary family. They can't get post to and from the states. Their internet is running like at point zero seven meg or, gig or something like that. Tremendous. Took them two days to open an email. Um, they can't get transport. They said they can they can have church, but the problem is nobody can get there because all the public transports closed down. Even the little, um, the little, kind of like the um, you know, the bicycle things that have extra passengers. They're limited to one passenger during this time. And I read this, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I said, man, those guys have it really tough. But you know what he said next to the last paragraph? He said, but all during this time, we know the presence of God. We know He's here. And that needs to be our mindset. Good times, bad times, mountaintops, valleys. God is always there. He's always there to lead us and to guide us. I remember a phrase when we were in Bible college, a phrase that the chancellor of the Bible college used. And we heard it over and over again because trying to pay your bills at a Christian school, when you could just barely work your work. You're going to school more than full time and you got to try to pay your bills and one of the one of the themes they constantly preached about in chapel was a simple phrase: <clears throat> "Where God guides, God provides." And they meant it financially. But you know what? Wherever God leads you, God's going to provide His leadership. If you're in a tough job, God's in that tough job with you. If you're if you're in a difficult situation financially, God knows where you are. He's there with you. Do you really think God's going to forsake you? In those times, no, because God is there. And we'll move on here. We'll see how how the psalmist ties it, ties it together. Um, day and night, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, day and night, he says, are the same. In the darkness of the light, and there is no such thing as darkness with God. God's God's light dispels the darkness, and it's all the same to God. God, God's not going to miss us because it's dark. God, God, God is not going to be deceived. God doesn't need some heavenly torch to look at us. God, day and night are the same to God. It's like He's got constantly um, infrared vision, except it's perfect infrared vision. And and, and how dark the hours. God is there. We've been through a few of those dark hours with cancer and other things that have gone on, and it's it's tough sometimes to sit back and remember that God sees in what we perceive as darkness you've been in a situation um i don't think i've ever been truly clinically depressed i can think of a couple times i've been close but what i from what i understand about clinical depression it's like a darkness comes over you and becomes overwhelming and consuming um but you know what in that darkest hour god was there with you God knows you're feeling that oppression. God knows you're feeling that darkness. And God wants to provide the light for you to find your way out. So not only does God know everything, God knows everything, yeah, that's true, but God also um, is everywhere. Psalm 121, one of my favorite psalms, it's called the Psalm of the Keeper. Let me flip back to Psalm 121 just for a second here. Um, I also, I love this psalm. Um, psalm 121, He keeps us even in the darkness. Uh, Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, um, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. God is not going to fall asleep on the job. He's not going to, it's not going to happen. I, 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 I know I'm not old yet, but I, am at the age now where if I stop and sit for too long, I tend to doze off. Mary and I are still binge watching Murder, she wrote. There's like 11 seasons. I think we're up to like season 9 or something now. And still after probably close to two hundred episodes of murder she wrote. I still doze off when the murder takes when they get when they figure out who solves it. I'm asleep. Not asleep asleep. But dozy asleep. And I have to go back. Oh what happened? Then I get like the one we watched last night. I thought I had to figure it figured out. Then it was over. So I had to go back. What happened? What happened? You know, it's because we're human. Somebody posted on Facebook one night if they were watching murder she wrote They'd fall asleep too. But the truth is, God doesn't doze off. No matter how exciting our life is going, no matter how boring it's being, no matter how good or bad, God is the one who lights us, even in our darkest days. When things are darkest, God is still there to hold our hands, to pick us up, and to carry us through. God is always there. In a beautiful passage, God made me. There's, we've seen a children's chorus sometimes that goes, God made me, God made me. In the Bible book I read that God made me. Um, when you learn a catechism, that's like the first thing that happens. Isn't it? Who made me? When you, when you use a catechism, the very first question is, Who made me? God made me. What else did God make? God made me in all things. But God made us. Some of the most precious passages of Scripture. One of the passages of Scripture that speaks fully to the sanctity of life Romans, or or Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Here I saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. God knew us long before we were born. From the time that first those first two cells joined, from the time that that sperm implanted that with that egg, God knew us. He probably knew us before that. God knew all about us. God knows everything about us even when we're in the womb, God God watches God watches as the the, the nerve endings come together. He watch as the muscles and, jo- and joints and bones as they all form, as our as as brains develop, as the baby learns to suck its thumb and roll over at incredibly young ages. That wouldn't we, we we never even we've only known recently how young babies are responding to stimuli. God knew us then. God knew us long. You think about the day you were born, okay? What's um, nineteen? My, my my God knew me. What's nine months from? July, about October? Something like that? Yeah. God knew me in November. God knew in October of um, 1954, God knew who I was. And I was just a clump of cells, according to some folks. I was just a massive tissue, according to some folks. But I was already Roger. And my mom was praying for me then, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you to be a preacher. Now she didn't tell me that till my ordination service, but God, God knew from way back then. God knew where I was going to be on my sixty-fifth birthday, when in November of nineteen fifty-four. God knows everything about us. He says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that passage of scripture. He says, "I am fearfully and wonderfully made." It does. does it say we're all made exactly alike? Doesn't say that, does it? Some people are tall and some are short. Some are skinny and some are fat. Some are pretty. Some are ugly. But you know what? Our value is all the same to God. Color of our skin, doesn't make any difference to God. He fearfully and wonderfully made you and me to accomplish his purposes. God fitted you for exactly who you are and where you are and what you are and what you're doing. God made you for that purpose. So the next time you get discouraged and you think for me as a preacher, I wish I could preach like him. I wish I could do this. I wish I had that musical ability. I wish I had that. You know, I mean that's fine. If you have that goal and you want to practice and 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 improve yourself, yeah. But you know what? No, I am who God made me to be. Children, you are who God made you to be. You may not like your nose or your ears or your feet or whatever, your height, your weight, but God made you exactly like He wants you to be for a specific purpose. Nobody else... Isn't it, it's kind of special, you know that one thing? And, so, and, and in some ways, nobody else could be me. Ever. Nobody else on the face of the earth could be me, because it's me. I'm unique. I'm special to God. Yeah, and, and, we're, and you know how special we are. God made us fearfully and wonderfully. You know how special. You know how special we are. We're so special that God saw our sin and He sent Jesus to the cross to die for me to die for you. That's how fearfully and wonderfully made you are is that God sent his son to the cross to die for your sins so he could take you back home to he-, he could take you to heaven. What a miraculous thought. We need to stop. I wish we could teach our children. I wish I had learned younger. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Be the person God wants you to be. We think sometimes, especially as kids, and we've worked with kids for a lot of years, sometimes kids think, well, if I try to act like this popular person, people are going to like me. If I try to be cool like this cool kid, people will like me. You know what people like? People like you when you're you. Because that's who God made you to be. So God made us. God made you, and God made me. He made us exactly who He intended us to be. So praise God. God knows us. God is everywhere. God made me, and then God cares towards the end, getting down towards the end of the chapter now. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? If I count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. For what would you also say to the wicked, O God? Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. You speak against the, um, for, cause, sorry, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. And he talks about how the enemies of God are out there in the last few verses, how God recognizes we have opposition. But God says, I'll protect you then. God cares about the situation. He knows the troubles you're facing. This is talking about physical enemies. But God knows not just your physical enemies. He knows the financial. He knows the economic. He knows the emotional. He knows the spiritual battles that you're facing. And God cares for you through all of them. Why? Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come here back when you were a kid. And maybe you were building with Lego or an erector set. In my days, or Lincoln logs. Um, anybody even know what a Lincoln log is? <laughs> okay. I don't know what Lincoln logs are. They're little kits that had little, they're like toy logs and stuff. And I would, I, I had, I love the Lincoln logs. I'd build this fancy little, you know, I don't know, a, a fort, a western fort or something. And my brother, my brother, all right, one of my brothers would come along about the time I got done. And I turned my back and he'd walk up and just kick it, kick the daylights out of it, and destroy it. You know why you know why I was so angry? Because I made it. That was my fort, and he wrecked it. So how do you think it feels to God when we as his creation are hurt? When people are attacking us? God made us. God cares about us. I don't know what needs you're facing today. I don't know what you're thinking about today. When I say, what's bothering you today? What's your pressure today? I don't don't know what your first response would be, and and, and it's up to you. But do you not think God cares about that? He made you. Think about your children. Well, um, Sebastian and Mateo were for a few, few hours yesterday, just chatting away. I look at little Mateo, and I look at Sebastian and Hannah. He's the perfect... Um but By the way, you know how we call Jan Holly Jolly? We thought of a name for them. Sabana, isn't that cute? Sabana. <laughs> but if you look at Mateo. It is a perfect mixture of the two of them. You know why? Because they made him. They 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 gave of themselves and they made him. Who is there a child on earth more precious than your own child? no because that's the one that god allow you to you know what i mean by make okay it's made up of the two of you nothing i mean if if six adults in this world there's six adults in this world who mean more to me than anybody else that's my children there's about a dozen or so little people around who mean more to me than anybody else because they're a part of me and that's the way we are with god God cares about us because He made us. So God cares. God knows. God is there. God is... um, He made us. He cares about us. And finally, what's our response supposed to be? We'll finish with this. Ashley is going to do the Scripture reading after the message. We'll finish with this in verse 23 and 24. And and we'll be done. God... What do we do? How do we respond? I, I wish everybody, including me, would make it a point of praying this prayer every morning before he walked out the door. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Try me. And know my know my anxieties or my fears and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Four things David says in closing. Search me. The whole thing begins with how, Do you remember how the psalm began? You have searched me and you know how does the psalm end search me o oh god are you and i living the kind of lives that we can honestly say search me are you comfortable when you get up in the morning to say lord here's my life i want you to search me i want you to see what's going on in my life i want you to i want you to know my heart i want to open up my heart to you search me some more it's kind of like um I don't know, kind of like a security check at the airport. Um, I don't like them anymore. I don't like flying at the best of times. I don't know if I ever like flying as long as you have to wear a mask for eight and a half or nine hours. Anyway, the security checks get more and more intense every time. So when you go in there, if you don't have anything wrong, you don't really fear a security check. We we ought to have such hearts. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, let me challenge you. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, to pray honestly to God. Say, God, search me today. Know my heart. Know what thoughts are going on in my mind. We say that we're opening ourselves up. Lord, are there any immoral thoughts I have today? Are there ungodly thoughts? Are there angry thoughts? Are there bitter thoughts? Lord, check me out. Lord, check out my anxieties. Know my anxieties, try me and test me. He says verse twenty four, um, um, and see if there's any wicked way in me. It's kinda of, I that's I mean can you all right here's a here's a here's here's a test that might give some of you an idea. Lord <clears throat> well, I know I may have deleted part of it, but I want you to check my internet history from the very first time I ever got online. Every place, every website I chose to go to, Lord, I want you to check it out. It's a tough challenge, isn't it? But we're saying, Lord, check me, see if there's any wickedness in me. Then He doesn't say, just leave it there. Search me, O God. Know my heart, try me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, help me out, help me through the, the help, me, help me to do things your way. I miss the table. I want to work out a way to have the Lord's table. I don't know how we're going to do it with sanitary rules at this stage, but I miss having the Lord's table. Um, I read a guy, a friend in England, this morning said they were going to have they were going to break bread and drink the cup this morning for the first time since March. Do you know why I like the table so much? Do you know why it's it's one of my favorite aspects of, of, of church? Because we come to the Lord's table, and what are we supposed to do when we come? Somebody can answer this. What are we supposed to do when we come to the table? What are we supposed to be praying. What are we? What are we asking God to do when we come to the table? Anybody know? Sorry. Yeah, search me. If there's sin in my life, when we come to the table, that is our. It ought to be done all the time, but that's a specific moment that we set aside to say, "Lord, check me out. Show me if there's anything wrong, Lord. I want to deal with this now." It's a good test because, you know, do you know what happens? You know what could happen? And it happened in the early church. If we go to the table knowing that there's sin in our lives. I I mean, this is not Roger. The Bible says if we knowingly go to the table with sin on our hearts, he says. Paul said, some people are sick because of this. You're asking God to judge you. So when we come to the table, we ask God to check out our hearts. It's not that big a deal, really, guys. You confess your sin, which is the right thing to do, or you skip the table that week, which is the wrong thing to do. Saying, Lord, search my heart. I miss that aspect of church. I miss that weekly, forced encounter with a God who wants to search my heart. God knows. God is everywhere. God cares about my every need, and God wants to. God, and so in response, we say, "Search me, O oh God, Lord, know my heart, Lord, test me, put me to the test, check everything about me, know my way, and see if there's a wicked way in me. Do we really? Are we really able to pray? that kind of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the service this morning. Lord, my heart is overwhelmed with gratitude to be able to be with my dear friends this morning, to preach God's Word, and to share it with, with others. Now, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to take this psalm to heart. I pray, Lord, that we would remember that you know everything going on. Lord, I pray that we'd realize every place we go, we're there. Nobody, we can't hide anything from you. So we might as well pray the prayer at the end. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart and try me and see if there's some wicked way in me. Lord, I thank you that everybody in this room, all 30 or so people in this room, are fearfully, wonderfully made. Not to be clones of each other, but to be the people you want us to be. Help us to be satisfied and content with being the person you want us to be, walking properly in fellowship with you. Now bless the scripture reading, Lord. Bless the rest of today. And Lord, bring us back safely again next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.